0: Welcome to Poets and Writers. We're on the road today. We're down in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. This is Henry McCarthy, WEHC 90.7, and we've got a show for you today. Now, folks, stay tuned, because we're going to talk about haiku poetry. Last week, you were listening to Bob Dylan, but we're going to switch off on you to haiku poetry and... When I first heard that term, I thought it was the name of an exotic fish, but Ray Roy, who has been on the show a number of times, excellent poet, and he's with us today, and we're going to jump right in here, and Ray, I'm going to ask you, the last time I interviewed you, what were you doing?
1: Well, I was uh, the interim chair of pathology at the Wake Forest School of Medicine. We were worried about uh, the number of places that we could put bodies of people dying from covid uh and so we were uh looking at the morgue uh, and seeing uh what was going on there that's kind of gross i know but uh when you you know hospitals and and communities are set up to have a certain number of places where they put bodies until they're buried but if you exceed that number because of an uh, of a pandemic then uh, then you then you had to think about getting refrigerated trucks and stuff like that. So we were looking, we were assessing the situation uh, at the Wake Forest School of Medicine.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate you caring, uh, sharing that with us. Ray is very well known. He was a distinguished uh, doctor at the hospital, and then I think they brought you back, and you worked. And you wore many hats over there, but on that particular day. Uh, yes, I was, uh, not to be flippant about it, I knew it was, a, you were under some stress that day.
1: Well, we, uh, we were quite sure, where we're, you know, we were running out of space, let's right. put it that way. Exactly. So.
0: All right, now back to Haiku on Poets and Writers Today with Ray Roy. So Ray, tell us around the valley here, what is Haiku?
1: Well, Haiku is a short poem about nature or about human nature. And uh, it, it started, the, the, the genre started way back in Japan, about 400 years ago. Uh, and then it was translated to uh, English uh, within the last century. Uh, and now I, I think it is probably one of the fastest growing areas of poetry writing uh, in the country, or maybe even in the world.
0: Well, I know there are just clubs, there are many, I run into so many poets who are saying they're doing haiku, and and we've talked about this, Ray is a good friend, so we've had coffee and talked about this, I don't think that way, you folks have listened to me, and my mind does not work that way, now, we're not going to get into that, but I do really appreciate haiku, and particularly since it comes a lot of times from nature and uh, you mentioned Japan we've had uh, miho Kennis on this program we've had leonard moore uh both that you would say you you know of them they're right? they're
1: far better haikuist interesting word than i am <laughs> much better known than i am
0: well i i know that you are very dedicated to it and and you're a fine poet so Go ahead and and continue to educate us on poets and writers today, Ray Roy.
1: Most people who think of haiku remember with trepidation high school English where they were asked to write a short poem which had five syllables in the first line, seven syllables in the second line, and five syllables in the third line. Well, modern haiku just doesn't do that anymore. And the only purpose of, of, of haiku now is either to present a picture in words that uh, related to uh, something that the poet has seen in nature or is observed in human beings. And so, you know, a lot of haiku is one line. Uh, instead of having 17 syllables, it averages somewhere around 10 or 11 syllables. There's no punctuation. But but the whole purpose is to is to find something that attracted your attention, and then contrast it with something that you might not have thought about, or just to paint a really a uh, nice picture that generates an emotional response. You know, it's better to give examples. Oh uh, yeah, let's yeah. have some examples
0: here on poets and writers today of haiku, because I have to share this with you. I'm on Facebook, and you folks around Southwest Virginia, you know me, and you're on Facebook with me, and I found a leaf on the sidewalk. It was a very beautiful leaf, and it was yellow. Okay, now I'm picking at you a little bit, Ray, so I didn't say, can I put this into haiku? I just said, this is a yellow leaf. It's September, and it caused me to pause. Something about the yellow yellow leaf in September. But you're saying, let, I'm going to let you go now and give us some examples, because there's some very beautiful examples.
1: Well, can I digress a little bit? I, I, I have retired finally, I think, after trying three times. But when I started my uh, in my ultimate profession of anesthesia, it was 1974. And that, at that time, a country music fellow named Mac Davis paired up with Doc Severinsen, who was the orchestra leader on the Johnny Carson show, and they wrote a song called "You've Got to Stop and Smell the Roses." Yes. And, uh, and I'm told when you retire, you're supposed to stop and smell the roses. And for me, haiku is an outward, visible sign that I have stopped, at least occasionally, to smell the roses, or at least yes. see yes. something. Yes. So that was—that's kind of how I'm looking at haiku as a way to uh, to let people know that. I'm paying attention to other things can, now. Can, is it a meditation, you would say? Oh, well, well sometimes. Well, let me give you the, the first haiku that I got published goes like this Autumn maple, shielding the sun, stained glass. And, you know, I can tell. I, like. I, I was on a walk. The sun was low. Uh, it was shining through a maple tree in uh, late October, early November. And the colors on the, uh, the maples were just extraordinary. It was, extraordinary. And it was lo- like looking at a stained glass window in a church. So that's how that haiku uh, emerged. And so and that's a, kind of a true haiku because it's about nature. It's not about human nature. Uh, an, an example of one about human nature would be, uh, go like this. Attic, trunk. The smell of mothballs in an unfinished sweater, mm. and and mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. It, that in some people might put them thinking about their mother or grandmother who right. used to knit a lot. Well, mm-hmm. it, it came to me because my wife Connie knits, but she stores her uh, her yarn in uh, you know. Boxes and, sure, and yeah. chests and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and uh, we had moved, and she had stored some, and then we went back to. She needed some more yarn, and, and going back into a storage area in an attic, you know, we opened it, and there, you know, there was mothballs. We didn't want moth eating the wool. Okay. Now, and that's that, where that came from. Say that poem again. Say, okay, let's hear it again. Okay, attic trunk. The smell of mothballs in an unfinished sweater.
0: All right. Well, see, I, I love that. I yeah. love that. But then here's where I, I get into problems yeah. with it, because I'm a free flow person. You know that. Yeah. Okay. So now let's. I don't want to kill it by analyzing it. But what about the lines in that? What makes it any different than simply a, a thought? There probably is no difference.
1: I mean, what you I have put a thought down. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping, without telling other people what to think, that, that those few lines Absolutely. sort of generate a thought mm-hmm. from them. right? I mean, and It, it triggers it. something. I but
0: hope. here's what I'm, I, I had my uh, grandson on this program. You know, yeah. we're, you're listening today to Poets and Writers, WEHC 90.7, coming to you from the beautiful Emory & Henry campus. Ray, I had my grandson on once. We did a children's program. So I asked him different poems, and he said he wanted to do haiku. And he was about ten, and it still bothers him because he told me how the lines and how they were supposed to flow. And I was down at North Carolina State the other day, and he said, "Oh, I hope you don't ever play that because I, I had it wrong. I had the different lines." I said, "It doesn't matter. It was still a great show." So I'm not going to get in. Okay, go keep going. Listen to Ray Roy. Keep keep talking haiku.
1: Well. Other examples. Uh, This one, uh, sometimes I think it's fun to make them amusing. And this is a one-line haiku. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And um, I'm riding in the car. It's evening. Mm -hmm. We're passing a restaurant that has lights on. And the light should say, good eats. But it doesn't. One of the O's is not lit up. So it says... God eats. Eats. So the haiku is, God eats the unlit O. And and if you start thinking about that, I think, the reason why it got my... First of all, does God eat anything? Is he like a human being? Uh, That's kind of very Mm -hmm. literal. But at the same time, the unlit O, that's dark. That's the darkness. And if you're somewhat religious, you might think, Mm -hmm. this is God overcoming Consuming the darkness, and so I thought that made it an interesting poem. Okay, all right, (laughs)
0: cool. Okay, all right. Well, give us uh, some more haiku poems, and I know you have some from Miho or Lennard Moore, Uh, and so on, but let's hear some more poetry.
1: Well, this one, uh, uh, coffee for me. Is a liquid candy bar because I put cream and sugar in. Yes, it. Yes,
0: yes, uh, and I that. like
1: coffee mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so this is the haiku that emerged out of that: uh, sunrise, the cream in my coffee. <laughs> and, yes, and yeah. it—I uh, I mean, just—I thought it was cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. when I was, you know, the lights. T- Overcoming the uh, the cream is that. overcoming the dark. Op. Correct. Yes. Uh, but stuff like that, or another one that I think people could identify with is the cormorant resurfaces. I exhale. I mean, and I, uh, one of those things I know kids do, and I still do, is if I see a duck or a cormorant dive under the water, I wonder how long it's going to stay under, and I wonder if I could hold my breath that long. And so that's kind of. The, uh, just describe yes, it okay a, 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 a i and experience yes uh, another one uh, that i like is raining the forecast was snow christmas morn
0: mm.
1: and i didn't say christmas morning because mm-hmm. i wanted to play on words there you know the morn is the child's hoping for snow and it's raining yes. so you know so Raining, The Forecast with Snow, Christmas Morn, I think is just a kind of a cute haiku. <laughs> so.
0: All right, now I know you write, shall we say, regular poetry, and you've gotten into haiku. Uh, when
1: did you get into haiku? When did you transition over? Well, again, uh, I went to the John C. Campbell Folk School in Brasstown, North Carolina, Uh, my wife was taking a course on learning how to tat or make lace. And the other couple we went with had built uh, some instruments and they wanted to get some instruction in how to play them. So the question is, what am I going to do? Well, uh, there was a course led by Tom Painting on haiku. And I'd never even thought about it. And I said, well, I'll give that a try. And it turns out Tom Painting has been... Is internationally recognized as a haikuist. And he's been teak- teaching English and haiku for almost 50 years now. And he and I just bonded basically. They're so he been... was
0: very inviting. Yes, and because he, he, he,
1: yes. He, he and I tell people, I thought I was gonna major in English when I graduated from high school, but I and I took advanced placement in English in college and Everything I wrote was redlined. It wasn't worthy. Well, now with Tom Painting, every effort was worthy. I mean, he was very... I, he didn't redline anything. He just talked about stuff and said, okay, that's a very interesting thought. How can you make this a little more succinct, a, um, a little better? Uh, and, you know, it was one of the most interesting weekends I've ever spent. <laughs> and ever since then, I've tried to write haiku... That what might perhaps be his standard for publication. Okay. Well, let, let,
0: let's do one together. You help me with this, because we do have a, a varied group of listeners, and we have the truck drivers on 81, and once in a while I'll get an email from one of them. So what if we were writing haiku, and I said to you, truck driver on 81, um, listening. So how do you how do you put that together? Give me a haiku poem with the truck driver listening on Highway well, eighty one. See that see now you've got me caught
1: mm. because there are certain people that haikus just spill off their tongue. I mean, they, you know, they speak in haiku. Uh, I, I don't. I, I okay. you know, I, I get some thoughts together, yeah. and then I okay. say, okay, yes. and I let it, yes. let it sort of sit for a while, and I come back and I try again. And it, it's, mm-hmm. it's a little more of a painful process for me. Uh, but you know, you you can give it a try, and I've discovered I'm a better editor of haiku than I am an originator of haiku. One of the things. Again, I have actually taken two courses in haiku, both from Tom Painting and both at the John C. Campbell Folk School. And I sort of assisted him. We had several people, and I would make suggestions. I mean, he had me say, Okay, Ray, how would you improve that? And I was probably better at doing that, taking somebody else's idea.
0: (laughs) Which, uh, since we're getting uh, philosophical here, I suppose, so we're getting into right and left side of the brain and how we think and... Ray, that is very interesting, what you said. I was thinking, again, I've used this illustration before, that when Bob Dylan ran into Leonard Cohen, and Leonard said, uh, wow, he said, you know, on his song Hallelujah, he said, I took days and weeks to write that. He said, Bob, how long did it take you to write Blowing in the Wind? And Bob said, about five minutes, see? So we've got two different ways. But here's the situation, and I do admire... Poets and, and obviously, uh, great literature. And what you, what we're talking about, is the ability to convey, to convey our heartfelt thoughts, if you will. And different people have set, do it differently. But clearly, if you're writing and you're going to publish, and also giving it thought, and. Uh, there are a number of times, and I think my wife has told you, if you would think before you talk, you, would, <laughs> you wouldn't have said that. So, yes. So, so, just to throw
1: one out. So, let's roll here with some more haiku. Well, sure. uh, let me... Uh, okay. S- s- my problem is that I get several haiku journals. Okay. And I need to be honest. I don't understand three-quarters of the haiku in these journals. I mean, it does not generate an emotional response in me. So, and and it worries me that something I might write only, it was a very personal thing. And so, Mm. I I seek to get something published so that Mm. I get some verification that that maybe I'm worthy, at some of the time anyway. But, the, the, but there are other haikos, uh, a guy named, that you've already mentioned him, Lenard Moore.
0: Yes, Lenard uh, has been on the show, and I'm sure we'll will send him out a copy of this at some point. He'll love hearing it. Well,
1: with. Let, let me read two of his. Okay. And, and, and these, are, these are about human nature. Uh, and this is obviously a haiku written about going to church during the pandemic. And here, here it goes like this. Late Spring Sermon. We honk our horns for amen. I just think that, you know, I can see that. He has painted a picture that I can see. I love that. Yes. So.
0: And so he would be going to a drive in, uh, he would be outside?
1: But, uh, well, A lot of people, a lot of the church services now are actually being held in parking lots. Okay. And this is a good example okay. of that. And that's true right here in Winston-Salem. That's
0: Lenar Moore, and yes, he's uh, quite a personality.
1: Well, and here's another one. It's, I've, I, this is a, a play on the word for saxophone, sax and sex but uh, i think that you'll find it interesting after and also he he loves jazz i mean that's one of yeah, his absolutely jazz. He said after midnight sax i contemplate calling her in this coolness you know and i just think yeah. there's so many th- at so many levels coolness jazz saxophone and then coolness uh uh, contemplate calling her, you know, we've separated a little bit, but, you know, we did We did get it on for a it while. it adds a mystery well, it, to it. That's yes, right, so yes, I, so yes, I, know, a mystery are, of it. I, but I, th- I have yeah. the feeling Leonard Bohr could just say, "We want another haiku? I got one. And he could just tell <laughs> well, you it, one. Well, he's been on the show, <laughs> so, and the list is
0: out there, and he, he has uh, read poems and done jazz, and he, he's quite a performer and is very well known uh, across the uh, world, actually. And then Miho Kennis, I introduced them together. And Miho, who is a haiku poet, among other uh, aspects of poetry, she's in Japan right now. She's visiting her mother. So she got, uh, and and by the way, I, she sent me a book uh, by a writer, and the poems were about baseball. And you folks who are Emory and Henry, he received an honorary doctorate uh, at Emory and Henry, and did some really good baseball poems. But I'll talk about him on the next show. So Ray, let's flow with some more haiku.
1: Well, I'm going to give you a haiku uh, that I don't understand. To give you, I mean, so uh, computerless, the fractal beauty of broccoli. Now that doesn't do anything for me. I, I don't <laughs> know what that person <laughs> I, I was thinking. I,
0: I don't put uh, a computer I'll go and broccoli together yeah.
1: there unless. Well, uh, hmm. if you look at, I guess you look at bunches of broccoli. Uh, and can you it say that again,
0: okay. listeners out there? See if you can see haiku in this. Yeah.
1: Computer less, it's hyphenated. Computer less, the fractal beauty of broccoli. Well, wow. yeah, I, and I'm trying to. You know, yeah. that one, well, I, 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 maybe if I thought about it more... Yeah, well, yeah. people
0: already have been shut up a long time here, that's, <laughs> that's and that's saw. why they're listening to Poets and that's Writers saw. today yeah. uh, on 90.7. You know, we've been shut up, so they probably, somebody had some broccoli there at their table beside their computer. But anyway, keep going with some more. Well, here's
1: uh, uh, one, uh, again, this is another haiku of human nature, is, and I think it's amusing. Frosty morning, bagging leaves... Mm-hmm. Not my cup of tea. Yes.
0: yes. <laughs>
1: I live at a house that has a lot of oak trees around it, and I can tell you, November, the leaves keep falling. And it's, you know, what I keep saying, gosh, <laughs> I'm bagging leaves again. What am I going to do? I just thought, I mean, that one just helped me a lot. Let's see. So, uh, related to the uh, pandemic, her gloved hands, a barrier to germs, but not to caring. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I think that you can come up with a lot associated when, with, uh, with, when you're talking that, about.
0: Was that from your hospital yeah, uh, yeah. days, if you will? And you, how long were you at Baptist Hospital? And I know uh, you've retired, and gone back, and gone back. Well,
1: I showed up there in 1975, and I retired there last year. Mm-hmm. So that gives me a pretty big span. Wow. Not, well, not I mean, I did have, you know, about six years when I left uh, Mecca, but I I came back. You were (laughs)
0: chair of uh, anesthesiology, and and then Connie, you met Connie at Duke, and she took you back to Bristol, and her father was a physician.
1: When Connie and I met, we were in graduate school, and I wasn't thinking about medicine, and then I went back to Bristol the first well, uh, Connie and I weren't married then, and met her father, and he woke me up bright and early one morning and took me on morning rounds. And, uh, you know, I, that that morning convinced me to go to medical school. And uh, and I did. Uh, and I haven't looked back since.
0: Well, Ray, it's always a pleasure talking with you. And we're visiting here today in your beautiful home here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and back to Haiku Poetry. I'm doing my best to stay on focus here, Ray. <laughs> Uh,
1: um. Well, uh, uh, keep me focused, right? Keep me focused. Well, here's another haiku. My wife and I just finished celebrating uh, our fifty-first wedding anniversary, but I wrote a haiku for her on our fiftieth wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. and it goes like this: Fifty years, her body's still warm against mine. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, I. I mean, I. I can read haiku forever. And obviously, oh, this one I like too. This one's, uh, you know, this one, I, I just saw somebody who was mad. And he was a smoker and he was outside. And it was wintertime. And this one, how this one goes. Flicked off his cigarette splutters in the snow. And I was trying to, the cigarette, in the snow was acting like he was, and I thought that was the image that I was.
0: Oh, absolutely. To so these are would you say that all haiku poems are short and yeah. brief? Yeah.: All right, And of course, wow, well, you know, but sometimes they will say there's this line and that line and so forth, and uh, without belaboring the point, talk about the form of a haiku
2: poem.
1: I write typically either one line haiku. Uh, or three line haiku, but there, uh, right now haiku published haiku is, either, is just a short poem and it's either one to four lines now okay. uh, And usually the, the word total is very short. I mean it's unusual to have a, a haiku now with the old-fashioned seventeen syllables okay. in it. it's most of the time it's shorter than okay. there's no punctuation okay. There's no capitalization unless you, you mention a country or something mm-hmm. like that. There's uh, no rhyme and meter. It's just a thought or two thoughts juxtaposed, you know, that where I say, yeah. I stopped and smelled uh, smelt that rose or smelled that rose. However, that, I should yes. say that. Uh, and, you know, and I had to write that thought down.
0: Yeah. Okay, well give it, let's, let's go with uh, my great producer, Ivy Shepherd, watches the clock here today and is on Poets and
1: Writers. We're listening to
0: Ray Roy. So Ray, give us some more haiku poems.
1: Well, this one, uh, one of the things I was taught to do when I uh, was learning to write, haikuists apparently write what they call death haikus. And uh, you're supposed to read your death haiku every morning when you get up. And I'm, So my first death haiku went like this.
0: Now you're saying death haiku.
1: Death, okay. D, yeah, dying, death. Okay, go okay. for it. Uh, and it is door opening, the candle gutters into darkness. Mm. And so how do? You, it depends on how you view death, obviously. Is mm-hmm. it the end? <laughs> or is it the beginning of a another existence, uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure where I stand in that, but that one that assumes is another existence. Poem. That
0: is one of your poems, okay, as <laughs> yeah. we move along and wrap it up here today, give us one uh, more poem that'll pick us up a little more now, right? oh, uh, one, uh, you want? On, a, on a high note here as we wrap well, up. Well,
1: this one I think anybody can identify with. Street musician, I adjust my pace to his beat. Hmm. I mean, you walk it down the street, mm-hmm. you hear music, and but you, you start, I, I frequently start walking in time to the music, and that's funny. Absolutely, I, that made, that's what that one was all about. All right,
0: about. Ray Roy, thank you so much for being on the show today. And any closing comments? Just anything? Just we mm-hmm. really appreciate your informing us about haiku and it's always great to have you on the show and you share some of your life and some of your poems with us
1: well thank you for asking me actually I enjoy being here
0: (laughs) and this is Henry McCarthy saying do not wait up for me do not be afraid to stay or still away I'm going out to write a poem and watch the children play thank you all for listening
2: old singer came to town long cape and hat People stood and stared Then closed their doors As he passed He strolled the empty street Kids banged on tin cans Then the panting dogs Began to bark As the road singer sang Where do you go? Where do you go? when hearts are closed when a friend becomes a stranger nobody wants to know where do you go where do you go when the world turns dark and the light of truth is blown out and the roads are blocked Stopped by a stove between the barrels and sacks, A child's face peeped out and gave a smile, and ran back behind a misty glass on a window pane. A little finger drew a perfect heart. And a name Where do you go Where do you go In a world filled with fright Only a song to warm you Through the night Where do you go Where do you go After lies are told and the light of truth is blown out and the night is